Hello and welcome to The Word Opened with me, Bramwell, from Holness Ministries. This is a weekly podcast opening God's Word, going through verse by verse and looking at what God's Word, the Bible, says. As we start this week's episode, I just want to thank every single person that supports this podcast. You know, my my view is that even if only one person was to listen and to have their life transformed, changed, to be able to develop and you become the person that God wants them to come, then you, what God is laying on my heart is fulfilled. And that's always the dream and i'm so encouraged to see the listening numbers each week of the podcast across the various platforms and also through bmc radio yeah it is a privilege to be asked by the lord to do this work and it just uh yeah just to see it develop and see it happening and you know this week is episode 30 this is episode 30 of The Word Opened. It's number 29 in terms of Acts because we had one week that was for the... That one week that was for uh, the Easter special. So we've done 29 episodes on Acts. And today we come into Acts 2 verse 40. Here we looked at Acts 2 verse 40 last week and looking at the word testified, understanding what this word testified means. And this week we're going to continue with Acts 2 40, looking at what then happens through Peter as he has already taught, you know, we've talked for weeks about his boldness for what he says and the fact that he's talking directly to these people uh, who potentially crucified Jesus and he's up front and he's blunt with them you know, and he's told them that they murdered Jesus that they killed Jesus they killed the son of God the Messiah but what then happens? What then shifts? We already know that they've suddenly said, what do we do? What do we need to do? And he's talked about, you know, repent and be baptized. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop at that. Because he then testifies and exalts them. So let's just read Acts 2 verse 40. With many other words, he testified and exalted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Here I say we we looked at the word exalted last week, and I would encourage you to go back and look and listen. But basically, the, the word testified is to call gods and men to witness. So he's calling those in front of him to witness who Jesus is, to witness that Jesus is alive. And in doing that, 
He also exhorts them. The word exhorted in the Greek means to address or to speak to done in a way of exhortation, communicating emphatically, urging someone to do something. You know, so he's saying to them you know, to witness to who Jesus is, but he's also saying it in an urgency way, to address them urgently. Why? Because in the urgency, we never know when Jesus will come back. And so that's what we're seeing here, is there is an urgency to see these people go and to confess what they have done. Why? Because it comes out in the next bit where he says, be saved from this perverse generation. And we should be living an urgency, an urgency today of the gospel being shared. There is an urgency for the gospel to be shared. And why is there an urgency? There's an urgency because of what Peter says. To be saved from this perverse generation. That's the urgency. And that urgency is the same today. To be saved from a perverse generation so what is this perverse generation the perverse generation in the greek is a race of men very much like each other in endowments pursuits of character it's people that go on their own tangent their own mind it's a generation that is very much like themselves and they all conform to themselves. They all become like themselves. You, we could maybe make a description of they all become like robots. It's a generation that goes on their own tangent, their own way. And this comes up a few times within the Bible. This isn't something that Peter has just mentioned. It's something that comes up a few times in the Bible. And even Jesus speaks of a perverse generation. So let's look at Matthew 17. And we're going to go from Matthew 17, verse 14. And this passage also comes up in Mark 9 and in Luke 9 and the same thing is said so we're just going to look at it in the book of Matthew and when they had come to the multitude a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying Lord have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water so I brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him 
And Jesus answered and said, O oh, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I don't know about you, but I've heard many comments and things around you know, this passage. But I want us to, to really look at this in terms of this whole thing of a perverse generation. Jesus is talking about a faithless and perverse generations. You know, a perverse generation, we're talking earlier on about what it means, the fact that it's a race of men very much like each other in endowments, pursuits, and character. You know, it becomes, people become like one another. They're all out of faith. They're all following something. This is the point that Jesus then is making. First off, the thing about a perverse generation is that they are not a generation of faith. They are outside of faith. They do not have faith. They do not have the belief. And part of that belief is a belief in Jesus. Now, the disciples knew who Jesus was. You know, they had this recognition of who Jesus was. They knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the Son of God. They walked with him. They learned from him. So they had the faith in the belief that Jesus was who he said he was. But at that point, they didn't know what Jesus was going to do for them. What Jesus was going to do for the world. The fact that Jesus was going to die upon the cross and that he was going to be raised three days later. You know, they would have known the, the prophecies from the Old Testament and Jesus would have shared that with them. But they didn't have that belief in that moment in that time they were faithless but Jesus then picks up on this as well because he's saying that they weren't able to rebuke the demon because of their unbelief it's the unbelief in the fact that they didn't believe that they could do it you know, this word unbelief, going back to the original Greek, actually also translates as weakness of faith. They have a weakness of faith. They aren't fully strong. They aren't strengthened in the faith yet. And this is something that we need to really understand. We need to understand that it, we need to be strengthened in our faith. And that's a daily walk. A daily walk brings faith. 
Yeah, what's amazing if we look at this in the context of the book of Matthew. In Matthew 10, the 12 are called and the 12 are sent out. And Jesus tells them what to go and do. And so they get sent out to go and share, to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Jesus says to them, freely you have received, freely give. He says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now he tells them to go out with virtually nothing. And he says that you know, that they are going to be provided for. And so they go out and they do these things. And we know from elsewhere that they come back amazed. They then see healings and miracles. You know, the passage that we're talking about in Matthew 17 comes after the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. They, they see all of this. And yet, they don't have total faith that they can do it. They also, what Jesus is picking up on here is, you know, they, they talk about, you know, he talks in verse 21, you know, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And I've heard, again, many comments made about this. Oh, you've got to prayer and fast to, to drive demons ill. I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is that it's a characteristic. It's a discipline of prayer. It's a discipline of fasting that needs to come into the character of somebody. If you don't follow the disciplines of Christ, in this instance, he's talking about prayer and fasting then you are faithless and you are of a perverse generation because the whole point of being saved or not the whole point but the whole thing of being saved is that you then walk in a different type of character a different lifestyle and part of that lifestyle is praying part of that lifestyle is fasting you know, I've heard even people say, well, fasting was for then and not for now. That's rubbish. A discipline of fasting is for now because it is a discipline that Christ preaches. It's a discipline that he shares. It's a discipline of his character. And therefore, we are disciplined and are to be disciplined to fast for various reasons. But I want to just add this into this moment, that the discipline of fasting is not something that you just do for the sake of doing it. It's something that you need to feel within your heart that you need to do. It could be even something that you, you know that God is telling you to fast and you do it in obedience 
It is not something that you just do for the sake of it. If you just do it for the sake of it, it's not going to help. You know, we could spend ages going through the discipline of fasting. But I want us to keep on track of this whole thing of the perverse generation. Because that's you, this is what we're being saved from. And a perverse generation is still with us today. Yet Jesus talks about it in Luke 16 in his parable. Luke 16 verse 1 says, He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking my stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly with the sons of this world are more sh for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous manner, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous manner, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And as you listen to that passage, you may say, well, where's the perverse generation element in that? It actually comes in verse 8. when he says, so the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. That word generation is also the same word that we use the phrase perverse generation. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their perverse generation than the sons of light. Now that's the point. And this is what again Jesus is getting across. This steward has been unfaithful. This steward has been had an accusation of wasting his goods. He's not been a good steward. So we come back to the whole thing of what is, what is the living of a perverse generation. It's somebody who is not living as a good steward. Is not stewarding their wealth, their belongings well. And that's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You know, if you can't steward in your unrighteousness, how on earth are you going to steward in your righteousness? You know, we have to be stewards of what we have. Even in the, those that are walking in unrighteousness have to steward what they have. 
And if they're not stewarding what they have, their finances, their belongings, etc., and they're in debt and all these sorts of stuff, that's not a good steward. That's not a good steward. And so this is where we come back to, again, this perverse generation. It's someone who does not steward well. This is what Jesus saves from. This is what Peter is saying. Be saved from this perverse generation. When we give our lives over to Jesus, when we come to the realization of who Jesus is, we don't continue walking in these ways. We come to a place where our faith starts to rise up. We come to a place where our character changes. We come to a place where we start to steward well. These are just some of the things that we're talking about within the perverse generation element. But you know, there are other examples as well of this phrase, perverse generation. There's, there's an example in the Old Testament. And so if we look at Deuteronomy verse 32... It says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as rain drops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. They have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father who brought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. Come back within this passage of Deuteronomy 22. Verse 5, it says that they have corrupted themselves. This is Moses. Moses is talking about you, the Israelites. He's talking about the Israelites and yeah, these are people that he's led across the wilderness. And he says that they have corrupted themselves. They are not of his children. Because of their blemish, they are a perverse and crooked generation. You know, they're a generation that have gone on their own way, on their own tangent. And this is exactly what we've been talking about. A generation that does its own thing. If we look further down in Deuteronomy 32, at verse 20, it says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. This is God speaking. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. It comes back to the fact that a perverse generation has no faith. But this word faith, if we look back in the original language, it means trusting. They have no trust. 
A perverse generation has no trust in God. It also means a faithfulness. They have no faithfulness in God. And these are things that you are still existing today. The generation that we live in has no stewardship. It doesn't steward well even in the unrighteous. It has no faith. It doesn't believe that it can do things. Even walking with Jesus don't believe that they can heal. Why? Because there's been corrupt teaching. There has been corrupt teaching in our churches. There has not been righteous teaching. There has not been true biblical teaching. To equip people to be able to do things. We live in a perverse generation. And we even dare to say that we live in a perverse generation within the church. It's not to slam the church. It's to say it's time to wake up and realize what has been going on for years. We are living in a day and age where there is no trust in God. There is no faithfulness in God. Here comes back to that whole thing of you know, the steward, the, the, the parable of the steward. Be faithful in the small things. If we're faithful in the small things, he will give us bigger things. This is a perverse generation. And we need to wake up because this is exactly what Peter is saying. That we can be saved from this perverse generation. We can be saved from this if we have a true transformed character that we know that Jesus is truly alive today and things will change in our lives. You know, the power of the gospel which we've talked about before, it's the power of the gospel that is to save. Man cannot save anyone. It is only the gospel that can save. And when the true realization of the gospel comes, then your character will totally change. There is a transformation in your life that will then see you turn from this perverse generation. Let's just look at one more passage with this in if we go to philippians 2 i'm going to pick it up from verse 12 therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is god who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So even Paul writes about a perverse generation and actually gives us a really good description of what you know, the non-perverse generation is and therefore what the perverse generation is. So he first of all says in verse 14, do all things without complaining and 
disputing. How many people in this generation complain? In fact, we've become a complaining generation. that's, That's all we do. We've become a blame generation. The word complaining actually um, translates in the Greek as a murmuring or a muttering. That breaks down to a secret debating or a secret displeasure. So we're not to have secret displeasures. We're not to even harbour them. That's the first thing. Then he says about the fact that you without complaining and disputing you know, a, a, a perverse generation is a generation that disputes things and when we look at this it actually says the thinking of a man deliberately with himself the inward reasoning oh wow the inward reasoning how many times do we, as a generation, look about ourselves and say that we are important? This is a perverse generation. The inward-looking person. So let's refer back to our passage in the book of Acts. Acts 2 verse 40. Paul, Peter says, Be saved from this perverse generation coming to Jesus being called by him having it revealed of who he is is not just a thing about salvation for you heaven it's also salvation from the generation that we live in We are saved. We have an eternal life from the moment that we come to faith. The moment that we repent of our past. The moment that we repent of the fact that we have been part of this perverse generation. When we come to that place and we call on the name of Jesus, we allow him to become Lord and Savior of our life, that he is Master then we become saved from this generation. This generation that is inward looking. This generation that doesn't steward. This generation that is faithless. This generation that doesn't trust. We become saved from that. We become a new creation. And what happens on that day when Paul, when Peter has called this out? Verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. The word received means to receive into the mind, to approve, to believe. In other words, they were totally convinced and convicted. They had the whole thing opened up to them. And their mind was transformed. Their mind was renewed. They were no longer in the old, but they were in the new. This is why Paul writes about, let your mind be transformed, be renewed. Why? Because our mind receives the gospel. Our mind 
is changed. It is no longer of the old. It is no longer of this perverse generation. It is now of an eternal kingdom. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And next week we will look at how they did this. How did they continue to walk in the way? How did they continue to walk in a saved way where they weren't going to be dragged back into a perverse generation? But as we come to a close for this week, I pray that this has firstly equipped you in being able to talk to others and to see the generation that we live in. The generation that we live in that is lawless. The generation that we live in that is faithless, that is non-trusting, that is inward-looking, is all about the I. These are the things that Jesus brings salvation to. He brings salvation from these things into a new life. And I pray that you have been equipped today in seeing these things, but also seeing what Jesus saves us from. And you can now ask yourself, where do I fall in this? Am I still walking in some of this old darkness? Am I still looking at the old me? Do I still complain? Do I grumble? Do I dispute things? Do I still look at the me and that I am the most important thing? Because it is these things that are the foundations of us walking into light, of walking the light out. We show something totally different to what the world shows. And it's time that we walk that out. But you know, you can't walk it out on your own. You can only walk it out with him if he has totally changed you. And if you are still walking in some of these things, then get on on your knees and pray, Lord, please save me from this perverse generation. Call on his name. Call on his name to save you. Because it is only he that can do it. You cannot do it yourself. No self-help program will save you. It is only Jesus that saves. So Lord, we just pray, I pray, that for all those that have listened to this, Lord, will you reveal yourself and will you walk through with them? Lord, will you strengthen every person that has listened to this this week that they are saved from this perverse generation and that they know that they are saved that they can then walk out without fear of this world without fear of the society that we live in because they know that they are heading for a better place and they are already walking that out Lord I thank you for what you have done In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
And as I've said already, I pray that you are equipped and encouraged from what you are hearing. Please leave us a review, leave us some comments about how you this podcast or any of the others have you strengthened you. You know, have encouraged you, have equipped you. And share it with friends and family. If it's been a blessing to you, then please share this. Because the whole heart behind this is to see people released and equipped for ministry, for their daily walk of service. But until next week, God bless you. Stay safe, stay protected, and know that you are loved. God bless.